Welcome to the Internet History Podcast. I'm your host, Brian McCullough. Some uh, quick housekeeping here. Um, I'm releasing this episode in an off week because if you look at the calendar, next Monday is Christmas and the Monday after that one is New Year's. So I'm putting this one out today and then releasing the next episode January 8th. So taking two weeks off around the holidays, but see you then. Happy New Year, everybody. Second, uh, this is an extra special episode because the guest, uh, Desi Garcia, is a regular listener who emailed in a few months ago with some guest suggestions, some points and questions about things that I've covered or maybe haven't covered. And some of the things that she was bringing up were so interesting, I just asked her if she wanted to come on the show and talk about them. Uh, thankfully, she said yes, and I'm super, super glad she did. Uh, essentially, you can think of this episode as an oral history of what it was like to come of age as the web went mainstream. Desi is about a decade younger than I am, so as you'll hear, a lot of it is a sort of fascinating dissection of how that sort of brief generational window leads to great differences in experience. But also talking to Desi gave me, I think a much needed check on my uh, frankly, lazy assumptions about how people experience the web. Um, Most people didn't experience the web like I did. Um, And I mean, in terms of things like generations, but also, gender, race, class, and just culture in general. Um, And so because this was such an interesting conversation, hopefully I want to do more episodes like these. I'd, um, if you're listening, I'd frankly love to hear what it was like uh, when the web came to Japan or or China or Britain or Argentina, etc. So if you're an overseas listener who thinks they could shed some light on what it was like when the web came to your neck of the woods and came and saw and conquered, I guess, please get in touch. My email is on the website and you can also find me easily on Twitter. Um, I won't do a bunch of these all at once. I'll spread them out over the next several years, but yeah, I'd like to have more episodes like this one because it was so much fun. So uh, thank you, Desi, for a great conversation and a a great new mode of, of episodes. Please enjoy. Desi Garcia, thanks for coming on the Internet History Podcast. Yep. Glad to be here. So let's get the uh, possibly rude question out of the way first. Um, what year did you graduate high school? I graduated high school in 2004. 2004. Okay, 2004. so you would have been middle school age in the late 90s, like in the, in the like middle of the, the bubble period. Yep, I think I was in eighth grade in in 2000, so that was when all the Y2K stuff was happening. Oh, wow, wow. Okay, so um, let's let's start with the usual then. Um, What was your first computer? I'm assuming it would have been the family's computer? Oh, (laughs) this is an entire story in and of itself. Go ahead. So my first computer was, um, my family did not have a computer for a long time. We were pretty working class. Mm -hmm. The first time I used a computer was, 
school, we had a computer lab. Um, it was all Mac. I forget which, which one it was, but they were donated. So mm-hmm. it was probably around that time where, um, where Apple was really trying to like insert its machines in schools and stuff. Yeah. And I grew up in California, but I had no idea that Apple was just, you know, a six or seven um, hour drive away. But anyway, long story short, it was a Mac. Um, it was number 17. I have a picture of me using this machine for the first time. And, um, you know, I'm, yeah. Um, I forget. I don't know which OS it was, but it was um, probably, so I was six years old and I was born in 1986. Mm-hmm. So that, somewhere around like 1992, 1993. Um, and we only had a, about an hour every week. It was computer lab day. You went to the computer lab and you could play and do whatever for, for about an hour. The teachers were, would tell you what, you know, program they wanted you to use. Um, and they, the, the computer lab teacher would set up all the machines in, in like a kiosk mode so you couldn't mess around with the rest of the machine. Um, and so one of my first memories of using a computer was figuring out how to get out of kiosk mode. <laughs> And I remember one time I got in trouble because I, I told all the kids how to use the printer. Well, you know, that's... So we all... So I want to just cut in here for a second because, you know, this is this is why we're doing this. But, like, you know, I asked some of the older programmers and, and people, like, uh, what was it like to have to use uh, time-sharing computers in the 70s or something? But, you know, in reality, for a lot of people... Uh, our age and younger <laughs> um, it, computers the, the earliest computer usage was this way it was metered out to you this this concept of having your own own machine um, is really really more recent than we think right yeah so for I, the first time I got a machine that was mine was in sixth grade because I had this 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 excuse that I could give my mom you know now I'm gonna have to type out my essays and I need to do that on a computer, you know, how, or I have to do it on something. And so I remember looking at word processors, which is probably a machine that some younger people don't remember either. And so it was just like a machine that would only type, maybe you could pick out a couple of fonts and, and that would be it. Um, it's sort of like a, a glorified end. typewriter, really. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was like a little digital screen. Uh, but we ended up getting a computer that was used. There was an ad in the penny saver um, of a guy who said, you know, I'll, I'll sell you a computer for about $200, right? And his selling point was, I'm going to put on it 50 programs. So that you didn't get specs. You didn't have to, you didn't get to pick, you know, how much RAM or how much um, disk space you got, had, you, you got on your computer. The selling point was, look at all the different apps essentially that you will get with this computer for $200. Um, and it was just a guy who was just, you know, putting, um, who's putting PCs together and, um, it was windows 3.1. Uh, it, it was pretty, it was, it was super low tech and it was about five years behind what you could buy in the Best Buy. So it was just, my mom wasn't really, you know, sold on the idea of having a, a computer for personal use yet. She didn't, she assumed that that it was probably going to distract me from my schoolwork that it was, I was just going to use it for games. Um, but, but that was kind of my first computer. Um, I broke it on purpose. I was just kind of like trying to figure out how this thing worked. Mm. 
And so some of the, uh, yeah, eventually I would break it. Um, so I saved up my money. I had, um, I had my allowance saved up from about the time I was six because I really, really, really wanted a Mac. Um, but they were expensive, um, especially if you were kind of working class like I was. So I worked on that savings pile for from around the time that I was six years old to maybe 15. And I had enough to get a desktop. Wow. Um, and my, my dad was so impressed that I had, like, been doing this on the side that he said, you know, I felt bad that I couldn't get you the computer you wanted when you were a little kid, so I'm going to make up the difference for you and just pick whatever machine you want. So I got a laptop, and the OS on that laptop was Windows Millennial Edition, which mm. is kind of meta. <laughs> 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 um, but I, I really look at that point when I got that laptop is when I got my first computer because it was mine. I kept it in my room. Um, uh I could use the internet because the machines that I had before did not have mm-hmm. a modem in them. So the internet was mine, like in my room, in, in my space, like to for me to do with it as I pleased when I was about 15 years old. 15. I was um, just going to ask what, what age that was. Yeah. Yeah. Previous to that, I would just get little like bits and pieces of it from school. In middle school, you could... Um, we had a computer lab that was free and open for people to use. And so what I would do is I would get to school about an hour earlier and I would just go to the computer lab, sit down and, um, and just see what, what was out there. Um, well, and... well, be more, be more specific. Like what were you, uh, I don't know, I, this would be gendered and sexist to say, but are like, are you, are you checking out like, <laughs> like, uh, in sync sites or something? Like what, what was, what were you browsing and what were you looking for? I was browsing <laughs> the Hello Kitty website. There you go. Okay. <laughs> so it, I thought it was really cool that you could go to Sanrio.com and, and learn about all the characters. So it's just things like that. You would run into people's hobby sites. Um, you went to StarWars.com. Mm. You could learn about all of that there. So it was very much a kind of a learning experience. Um and then eventually you started, I think Yahoo Games came out. And so we spent a lot of time on Yahoo Games with each other. Once you, you could figure out, um, was, that was when like the whole thing about screen names started to come into play. Mm-hmm. Um, so you would, you would tell your friend, hey, can you go to the, to the uh, are you going to be at the computer lab this morning? Yeah, I'm going to be there. And then, so you go there and you try and get into the same um, room to play with each other and, and, and some other people on the internet. That was the gist of it. It was pretty basic. What was the um, bi- what was the big game on Yahoo Games? I would play bridge. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if that was the big game, but that was just what we played. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, so. And the, sorry, go ahead. Sure. No, uh, the browser was Netscape. Ah, yes. And, yeah, and and then I think maybe seventh grade at some point. Um, the teachers started to tell us, don't use Netscape. It sucks. Mm. Um, there's this new thing. It's, it's Internet Explorer. Or, or if there was a lag in the Internet connection, that was probably not the software's fault. Um, we would blame it on the browser. You're like, yeah, that, that page isn't loading because Net, Netscape sucks. So always, I always use um, Internet Explorer. So um, I had no idea like later that there was a browser war going on. I was just, it, yeah, it was, mm-hmm. 
was kind of cool. Well, but I mean, that was as intended. <laughs> that's why. That's why yeah. Bill Gates fought so hard to get that uh, icon on the off the the uh, desktop there. Um, so yeah. at school, it, at school, it's the schools provided um, internet access. Uh, are you are you on AOL at all? What what's your online profile sort of? Yeah, so that I started to run into things like AOL at home, mm-hmm. where I needed to find out a way to get the internet. So my parents again were also kind of you know wary about the internet themselves. Um, you know they 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 rightly thought it was probably just for porn, <laughs> um, but. What I ended up doing was I got a I got a disc for Net Zero. Right. So I, I signed up for Net Zero, and it was free, but it came with a lot of like conditions. So you had that ad bar, right? Uh, that you had to always see. Eventually, Net Zero would say, "Okay, your time's up. Um, you need to sign up for one of our paid programs, paid plans." And so what I would do is I would stop using that account, create a new one. And maybe I could carry this pattern for two months or three months. I think it was, it was hourly based. Mm-hmm. So the concept of, of just always being online was just not a thing. You you could keep the internet for free if you used it for 30 minutes to one hour. Mm-hmm. And so I was just starting to use it more than that. So eventually I got AOL and <laughs> Well, let me let me cut, yeah. let me jump in here because I want to give a little bit of context to that. So again, this is sure. the this is the era when you have to subscribe to a service to dial in. You're not getting your connection from your cable company or whatever. Um, but also, there was this whole movement for like there were you you could get free PCs because I remember doing that in college. I signed up for CompuServe like, uh, just for the internet access, but then I, I got mm-hmm. like a $400 computer out of it as long as I signed like a three-year deal or whatever. But then there were also things like um, Juno was one and there, and Net Zero, like you said. And it, the idea was is if you just were able, if you were willing to put up with a whole bunch of ads, um, yeah. they would subsidize your, your internet stuff. So again, it, it's it's getting back to that concept of, it's hard for us to imagine now a time when the internet wasn't just everywhere in the ether, like ubiquitous. Um, like it was, yeah. it was a destination, and you had to work <laughs> in a lot of cases. You really to get online. did, yeah. And and on that point, I used Juno as well. Um, and one thing that I figured out was just internet security back then was was a lot more. You know, there was less to work to work with. So what I figured out at one point was, um, I don't know if it's uh, freaking. That's when you figure out right. um, yeah. a, a phone number. So I figured out the Juno call-in number, and I set up a, a manual connection from Windows. And I guess the security was just really lame because I was able to dial in directly to the Juno servers and not have to have their, their ads or anything. It didn't know that I was connected to Juno. So I, I got free Internet for about two years doing that before they caught on and, and just kind of maybe banned me. Um, but it was just, it was a destination. I had to get my, my cable running from the phone and my parents' computer all the way through my room. Just, right. It was, it was because very, yeah. again, this was before Wi-Fi too. So right? Yes. Right. Uh, even, even after college, a couple of years into my so-called adulthood, like I, I remember the first apartment out of college, we're running ethernet cables throughout the house. Because, like, I remember the first time I tried Ethernet and, like, I took a laptop down to, like, the pool 
you know, that was outside this apartment <laughs> complex or whatever. But yeah, uh, it, you know, as early 2000s, you were still stringing cables everywhere just to get internet connections between rooms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't want to screw up the chronology too much but um do you have memories of uh instant messenger i do um so all that was something that i got into because people at school were doing it right this was a way for people to um hang out essentially after school so i signed up for aim aol instant messenger that was the the way to communicate at least for my generation i i didn't find out about ICQ or even IRC channels until later. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and so I guess some of the one way that you could express yourself and your uniqueness, very middle school, uh, was being how creative you were with your with your screen name. Um, so we so have to, so, I, right. What's your screen name? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> You can make one up and lie to us if you really want to. Uh, no, there's, so actually I had a problem where I made a bunch of them because I wasn't happy with, mm. with my screen name. So at one point I had like 10. Um, so the one that I used the most was Mexican Trans Panda. Mm-hmm. And and it was the, the way that you capitalized. There, some letters were capitalized and some letters were intentionally lowercase. Mm-hmm. So it could look a certain way. And so that was that was my screen name. Um well, do you? I, I imagine. I don't suppose there's any places where you still have that screen name lurking in, in old accounts somewhere or something like that. No, eventually, so we knew some people that would use their their just their full name or, or just the version of their name um, as their screen name, and that was seen as very lame and uh-huh. boring. But <laughs> nowadays, I just I just go for for my full name or, or Desi, and and I just leave it at that because just the, the screen name thing. You can't, you can't be professional. You can't yeah. live for twenty years with Mexican transpanda like this. No. <laughs> um, okay, I, I kind of cut you off there. Tell me more about um, when your whole social group is suddenly on instant messenger, and and suddenly that's where your social world is. That was actually a good thing for me because I'm pretty introverted, and so it, it felt like I finally had a place where I could socialize with people. Maybe other people were homebodies or there was something about not having to to swim through and wade through the social scene in middle school and later in high school that was not present in the Internet. So and, and what is, is people it more nice on the Internet? OK, OK. Explain that to me. So like would like the cool kids who maybe wouldn't talk to you in school, they're willing to chat with you on AIM? Yeah, that was the sense. I, I, it felt huh. like everyone was just excited to be there, to be on the internet. What is this thing that uh, that I think people were were able to to just kind of set aside um, parts of themselves and and just commingle with with people that they wouldn't. Um, That's really fascinating. Is mm-hmm. it is it one of those things where you're sitting there and you have you're carrying on like twenty five different conversations at the same time? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you could just look at your screen and just see flashes because everyone is, is of all the people that were that were replying to you or not. Did that <clears throat> did that break down any barriers in real life? Like, did suddenly if if everybody's friendly online, does that make it easier to be friendly in school too? 
Yeah, at least just in my experience, it was it was a way for me to open up a little bit um, because I was so shy in person that then, you know, maybe the next day I, I, I would be able to have like a short little conversation with, with a friend um, that I met online. And that carried on. I, there was this sense of like trust uh, that people were nice on the Internet, um, that you could open up to people uh, over these written, you know, these chat conversations that carried through college. Um, I have some friends that I met through Facebook uh, when that was a new thing, because I when when I started college, I was the first round of schools that got access to Facebook. Mm-hmm. So There's probably like a group of um, of the IVs and then like a handful of others that that were even allowed on the on the network. Right, and right. I have really very close friends that I just cold called. I saw their profile. I said, "Hey, I have interests like yours. Let's hang out." I met my husband that way too. Okay, okay, so, okay, okay. Uh, yeah. Because I want to, I want to go into that in, in greater detail. Okay, so um, through high school, uh, say like pretty much because you know, listen, I'll, I'll be honest. My memory of middle school and high school is uh, my brother and I had a phone line that was ours, and we were on it. Like this is again pre-internet times, but we were just on the phone to our friends. You know, as soon as we got home from school till like eleven at night or whatever. So like it's that it's that era when you're so social. But your experience is that suddenly, or not suddenly, because you don't know any different. Um, it's all happening online. That's the natural venue for it. Yes, I would say that's the case. It yeah. was it was this period where it all kind of migrated. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have yeah. a did you have a sense of that that this is new, or that? well, this is just natural, this is just the way it always was or always should be or something like that? Huh. It, my memory is a little fuzzy on that one. Mm-hmm. But I they were, I would say that it was new. So, for example, when Wikipedia came on, we had to explain Wikipedia to teachers and, and sort of it was not seen as a credible source. Right, yeah. But then by the end of high school, the teachers would see Wikipedia as the source for information for things that were not in the encyclopedia. They realized that Wikipedia was just going to be more, it was moving faster than, than the CD-ROM encyclopedias mm-hmm. or even the, the book versions of encyclopedias. So they were sort of like adapting to, here's how you should cite something you found on Wikipedia for a book report, whereas maybe two years before, they'd just say, Wikipedia, what the heck is that? No. Um, that's not that's not school. <laughs> that's not school worthy. Um, so we, there was we we knew that it was something new. Did you um, um, did do you have any memory of Google or do you actually a better question would be do you have a memory of pre Google search engines and then a memory of Google coming on the scene? Absolutely, and I think that's actually what prompted this whole this whole thing for me. I remember the first time I used Google. We were we were sophomores, I want to say sophomores or freshmen in, in, in high school, and we used to eat lunch in the library. So we would go there, find a table, and then after you would eat your lunch, you'd just go over to, to, to a PC and surf the web until the bell rings. And something that we liked to do was each of us seemed to have an affinity towards one search engine or another. So I have a friend who liked Lycos because I think their 
their like little mascot was a dog. And so she was a big dog person. Um, there was a guy who really liked to uh, play games. And so he went to Yahoo because they had the better games mm-hmm. for, um, on their portal. And someone like me, I was the Excite girl. So I liked going on Excite because it was just black and white, mm. <laughs> the colors. And then one day we show up. And all of the home pages are are changed on on the browsers. We all, you know, we we launch Internet Explorer, and it's not Yahoo anymore. That that used to be the home page. Mm-hmm. It's this thing that just says Google. And we thought, what the heck is this? You know, what happened to our content? We wanted to see a <laughs> portal, a portal of things we could do. And we're like, this is lame. Like this only does one thing. You can only search. That's not what we do. We use a search engine or, or like a website to explore, to just kind of browse and see what's new, what's going on, what they're changing, if they're adding any new features. Um, but this is, is, it was boring because it, it gave you nothing. Uh, and I think they had the I'm feeling lucky button on there. And mm. that was probably the most interesting thing to us on there. Um, and then when it just gave you a random page, we're like, okay, well, that's dumb. Uh, did, did, did it Google win you over at any point? Like, did you, you're like, well, but this actually is better at finding things. Yeah. Eventually we just started using Google and I think we just started saying Googling things. We stopped saying searching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We just started using like, we made a verb out of Google, but that was, that was a pretty firm um, memory in my mind, probably because of what Google is now, we actually didn't think it was going to live that long. Mm. We thought it was, yeah, we, we were like, oh, this is just a new internet thing. Um, but since it's not as cool as Yahoo, well, you know, let's all change the the homepage back. And so I think we all changed <laughs> the the default page for the browser back to something else. Well, you know, um, yeah. my wife is, is also an Excite girl herself. She's always, <laughs> she always yells at me that I've never done a standalone Excite episode. So maybe one of these days I'll have to do that. Um, I was pretty sad when they closed my account. I used that email address for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. When, when did, when did they stop uh, their email? Do you remember? I think I was in college. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so let's talk about college. Uh, uh, where, where did you go? I went to the University of Notre Dame. Ah, yes. Uh, yeah. So, right, that would make sense. It's, it's Ivy adjacent, so you were probably one of the first 25 or 30 um, that, they exp- mm-hmm. uh, that Facebook expanded to, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, <laughs> so is there any social media for you, aside from AIM, of course, uh, was there any MySpace or anything before uh, you got on Facebook, or was Facebook it? No, uh, I did MySpace and I did Zanga. Ah, and I did Live Journal. Live Journal. That's actually yes. where it, it does. A, that's like the little trickles of the foundation of what I do for a living. Now. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that made me cool or valuable to other kids at school was that I knew how to customize your MySpace and I knew how to customize your Zanga pretty, mm. pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. <laughs> well, people made whole businesses out of that. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't know that I could charge them. <laughs> I was just doing it for free. Um, but that was, that was, that was probably the social media um, thing for me in high school was um, blogs. 
mm-hmm. um, journals. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a lot more long form, and you, it was used mostly for a, a smaller group of friends, so you could keep up on 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 your on your life, you know, on your feelings. Which, which was, one are you talking about, Live Journal or Zynga? Live Journal, all of them, all three yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it? Did you yeah. compartmentalize? Like, uh, Live Journal is for this group of friends and Zynga's for, like it, it just it, give give us a snapshot of like how you used it and why this or over that one and for what things yeah it felt like myspace was uh the closest thing to facebook that we had everyone had a myspace because that's where you made a profile about yourself you know you listed your interests you listed the music you listened to um you listed your you know your height your your horoscope just basic things about you. It was your presence on the internet was through MySpace. Um, and you decorated your MySpace using CSS and HTML, the, the way you would kind of decorate your locker or your room. Um, Zynga and LiveJournal were places where you would write and kind of detail your life. You wouldn't really do that on MySpace, at least in my experience. Um, and the difference between who went on which site was I think people who, who went on Zanga um, wanted to get um, a screen name that they couldn't get on LiveJournal and you could customize Zanga a lot more. You could you could make it look like Zanga was no, that your Zanga was no longer a Zanga. It just looked completely different, crazy. Um, whereas LiveJournal journal had, um, I think they didn't open up all of the elements on, on your on your blog for you to customize. So that was the big. That was how I, I I saw them, and I was more active on Zanga because for me, what I got out of being on those platforms was the ability to to mess with mess with the code and make it look awesome every week. So, so um, when do you get introduced to Facebook? That was in in college. Yeah. So at Notre Dame, we um, we had a thing called the Dog Book, and it was just a place. Where I guess everyone, I actually never used it because I was on that last year. Uh, I was supposed to submit my photo, and it was just going to be a, a, like a directory of people's photos, and everyone would get a copy of it, and you would use it to try and meet people and date and whatever. Um, but because there was this new thing that all of a sudden we heard about called the Facebook.com, mm-hmm. we thought, oh, this is like the dog book but digital online, let's not bother with a print copy. Let's just go on Facebook because it's sort of like a MySpace. And so for that first year in college, for sure, I, I had both of them mm-hmm. going. And it was, uh, you had heard of Facebook first, but then it was a thing where you had to wait for it to come to um, to your school? Um, or it was there when you got there? It was there when I got there. It was okay. the first year that they opened it up. So, yeah, I didn't have to wait for it. Um, um, and so is, I mean, you're obviously within the first year or 18 months of, of Facebook um, existing. Uh, is there anything that you can describe for us about early Facebook and how it's different than it was today? And, and maybe, again, the social uh, aspect of it, because it's only people at your school. Your your mom's not on there yet, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so I think when Facebook started expanding to other schools, I mean, I'm just going to be completely honest. Um, 
you know, if you go to like a top ish school, people, sometimes people get a little like elitist about it. So mm-hmm. I, I do remember people getting cranky that they were opening it up to, to, um, to community colleges, for example. Um, but then more people getting cranky when they were opening up to high like, school uh, companies yeah. or yeah. just cities. Yeah. At that point, it, it, they were like, what is this? This was supposed to be your place. And I think part of it was because if you knew that you were really only talking to your, your, the people at the same school that you were at, or if you were keeping in, in touch with a friend that went to a different place, um, you, it felt like you could post that pictures of, of you going to parties and things like that. Pictures that you probably wouldn't post on your MySpace um, because that was open. Mm-hmm. And so when the network was opened up to anyone, you know, your grandma, mm-hmm. uh, people, um, I think that was the first time people had to think about their privacy and things like that. Did you have a sense of when, okay, all that other stuff is over. Uh, everyone's on Facebook. Like, do you, did you have a sense of Facebook taking over and, and things like MySpace fading away? Yes. I mean, you, you just said it right then and there. Um, everyone's on Facebook. Mm. Um, yeah. And uh, do you remember the controversy around things like the news feed? Like, did you ever personally feel like, uh, you know, oh, no, this is uh, they're ruining Facebook or you know, like, I, I don't want my mom on here, that sort of thing? Yeah, I, I did. Uh, I think when it became too much of a, of a flood of information, that's when I started personally to 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 distance myself when it was more of a place for you to, where you were going somewhere intentionally, that was different. It was less of a cognitive load, but we would still waste time on it because you were intentionally going to every, everyone's page and seeing manually what, what they had, um, if, if they had updated anything. Um, but the sense of they're ruining Facebook, uh, I actually can't really, I can't remember my reaction to the newsfeed. I think, uh, it was more when they started folding in promoted posts mm. and seeing um, content that wasn't um, yours or, or your friends directly, like authentic content when you started to not be able to keep track of the flood of information and where it was coming from. That was when I, I personally um, started to distance myself, but I kept my account because it almost felt like an obligation to stay on Facebook. Why? Why do you say that? Well, I mean, it's the 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 whole phrase of everyone's on Facebook. Mm. This is the way to connect. This yeah. is the way to keep in track with, with people. It's it's dumb to to expect you to go to MySpace or to go to LiveJournal and to and to check all of these places. Right. It was explicit that this was the, the central place for people to connect and share information. Well, I have a memory even of because I was too old to have it in uh, in college, so I had to wait till it opened up to everybody. But um, mm. people that I had lost track of because no long, they weren't on Instant Messenger anymore. And so, like, you know, I, I remember, like, you know, trying to tr- look up people by their old screen names before Facebook came around. <laughs> you know? awesome. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm curious. So you're saying that... Um, it 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 felt like Facebook became the default, just sort of by default. Um, did you feel like uh, if I had told you in two thousand five that 
people would you would still be on it people would still be using facebook in 2017 would you have believed me or did you think that this was again just something that was for college or maybe a fad yeah i would be especially if you described what facebook is today i would freak out Mm. uh, because i thought it was just going to be another myspace eventually it would get boring or, or people would just turn out and that would be it and we would go back to we would go on to the next thing. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, w- I want to try to I want to try to wrap up so I don't steal all your lunch time. Mm-hmm. Um, but but two sort of bigger picture questions. Uh, so you're basically describing yourself. You're, you're a part of this first generation that shared everything naturally. Um, mm-hmm. When you look back at it now as an adult. Is it one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's fine. It's just like everyone was warning about kids watching TV in the 50s. Or when you think back on it now, do you think, hey, maybe that wasn't so great? Which part wasn't so great? That the sharing, that sharing? The sharing or even the – it sounds like the the social aspect of living online was very positive for you. It was to a point. Okay. I, 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 when I started realizing that things never die on the internet, so it wasn't ephemeral, right? Um, right. That's, that's when I started to get to, to have, to pause about how I want, how I want my relationship to the internet to change as it changes. Um, When it, it, it almost feels like I'm not in control of, of what, my relationship with the internet is whereas when I started out even though I was spending still six to eight hours just surfing Mm -hmm. it always felt like I was the one exploring and that when I left when I signed off um because you still like it there I don't feel like I can sign off now but back then it felt like I could sign on and sign off and that was it I would go back to living my normal life maybe someone would read um a journal entry for example but that would be it and nowadays, I feel like my presence is always on the internet, um, well, whether I want it or not. Yeah. So here's another way to ask that question. I, I believe mm-hmm. you, you said that, that you have kids now. Um, mm-hmm. So, again, you and I come from this a completely different generation than our kids in the sense that we were out on the internet free and unfettered because our parents basically didn't know what was going on. Will you right. Will you treat that differently with your children? Like, will the internet be something that you will train and educate them about and like maybe monitor and things like that yeah i think my, my husband's kind of in a very similar boat to his experience since we're the same age um and we have had conversations about how how we'll do with the baby when she's older and i think we're gonna we're gonna limit her time uh and limit where she brings screens um just so that she feel she can feel like she's in control like the internet is a destination it's it's not just you know always on for her um there i can expand on that um but you know steve jobs didn't let his kids on the internet at all times you know he didn't let them bring the ipad to the table for example um he never really opened up fully about why it was that he was that he chose to do that but I think we all have like um, intuitions about about why. Um, well, uh, let me uh, uh, this 
Final question, then I want to ask you about IBM Watson. <laughs> but uh, um, it, now thinking back, though, would you say that your experiences, your formative experiences online, shaping your personality, shaping your social life, uh, do you feel like it was a positive? Do you feel like being online in middle school and high school and, and, and social in college, do you feel like that it was a positive influence in, in creating who you are? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I love the internet as a thing. I, I, I love it. Um, I felt like it helped me come into my own um, and find friends and people that I had things in, in common with. Um, without the internet, I probably, I, I would not have, for example, my husband, um, my best friends. It, it's just, I, I love the way that it helped me connect with people around the world. Um, it's how I got into um, I guess electronic music. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so that in and of itself, there's like a very global um, sense of family around that. Um, it's how I got this job. The internet invented my job. So all in all, the internet is probably responsible for a lot of things that are very deep. Most of the things that are dear to me. Um, so yeah. yeah, yeah, you're a, uh, what, a UX UI designer. Is that? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so again, uh, right, like you said, um, you know, you you learn that because of the internet, Uh, you do, you do that because of the internet. Um, You're at, uh, you're at IBM working on the Watson team? Yeah, so uh, there's a a core uh, Watson design team, um, mostly based out of Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. And most of what I do was... I, I design interfaces, right? Um, mm-hmm. But the technology that we're designing them for is new. And so it's the, the biggest challenge that we face is how do we enable people to use this new technology in the way that they intend to? So we're not, we're not here trying to come up with um, something like a minority report kind of interface where everything mm-hmm. looks flashy and completely new. Something that we've learned is actually we have to start from the basics make sure that things are as usable as possible and clear because you don't want people to make mistakes. <laughs> well, so, um, um, so, uh, cause I, are we talking about like chat bots and things like that? Are we talking about like interfaces with AI and things like that? Yeah. It's most mm-hmm. the, the product that I work on is mostly chat bots. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's machine learning. It's, um, linguistic analysis, uh, types of technologies that come together in a product that people can use to build out chatbots that are robust. So that there's more to them than, you know, a chatbot that can only talk to you about the weather or a chatbot mm-hmm. that can only talk to you about of, of, of cats. It, it can start to read in between the lines and it can scale so that it, it, it can, you know, handle like a customer service um, line on its own. Um, so they're, they're more robust. For sure. So when uh, when your kid is in middle school, is uh, she? I think is she going to be? Is that how she's going to be uh, browsing the internet through through like things like voice and stuff like that? I wouldn't be surprised. Mm. Yeah, even I'm starting to to want to to browse through the internet. I instead of typing things out or yeah. pointing with my mouth, I just start saying the text on a link or the text on a button. I just I just say it out loud in my head and, and think to myself, why do my hands not move this fast? 
<laughs> See, that's that's fascinating to me because I feel like that'll be the big, that'll be the thing that they'll be like, oh, Grandpa, he's still using his keyboard. I never want to give up a keyboard. <laughs> I'm in, in a lot of ways, the fact that people do most of their computing on smartphones still kind of weirds me out. Like I, that's it's just been a part since since again I was in middle school. Like I almost can't think without a keyboard in front of me like i that's how even when i record intros for the podcast i can't freeform it i have to type it out so it's like that'll be the thing when i'm 80 that that will mark me as as a, a, the old dude that <laughs> that is with the times it's, i i, I, feel uh, I like, mean that yeah go ahead to that point i think you're you're um you're talking you're you might be describing something else. So you're describing your, your mental model about how you mm. navigate something on your screen or something in your computer. That's and true. so on, on, on a, on a keyboard, sure. You, you, you're saying I type things out, but you also have hotkeys. Right. And right. those hotkeys are shortcuts to something that would take you a little bit longer time to deal. And so it's hotkeys on a smartphone are harder yeah. to, to, um, to work out. So your mental model is always going to go faster than the device you're on. And so maybe what you're craving is just something that, that will let you um, take as many shortcuts. And honestly, I think the keyboard is still pretty fast. Yeah. Well, see, yeah. that's so fascinating. That's why you're a designer professionally and, and I'm not. <laughs> um, but Desi Garcia, this is so fascinating and this was totally an experiment, but this was such a fantastic experiment. Um, it was so <laughs> thank you. Thank you for remembering all that, giving context for it. And um, hopefully you'll be the first of several that we'll do this with. Oh, awesome. Yeah. If this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, please subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice. There's plenty more great Internet history where that came from. And if you're a longtime listener, then you know what to do to help us out. Rate and review us on iTunes because iTunes gives credit to reviews and ratings, and the more great reviews we get, the more people will discover us. As always, there's more info on our website, www.internethistorypodcast.com. The show's Twitter handle is at nethistorypod, and my personal Twitter is at brianmcc. Thanks for listening.